So, Ian's still sick. You're going to have to suffer through me one more time. There's a... A joke about heaven that went around a few years back. It was uh, shortly after the Carolina Panthers and quarterback Cam Newton lost in Super Bowl 50 to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Their quarterback was Peyton Manning. Cam Newton had passed and he was getting a preview of heaven. St. Peter driving around in their little heavenly golf cart, looking at all the places, and uh, they approached Sports Hero Lane in heaven, and St. Peter was pointing out all the football quarterbacks. They had great, beautiful homes, and they had this big flag standing up and, uh, you know, displaying their team, and uh, Cam was impressed. However, they turned a corner And there before them was the absolute biggest house he had seen during his tour of heaven. It was in a mansion adorned with all types of Denver Bronco stuff. Flags and, and, you know, just all the kind of stuff you see. Cam asked St. Peter, he said, if I'd won the Super Bowl, would that have been my house? St. Peter laughed and said, no, he said, that's God's house. (laughs) There's so many miserable, meaningless, nonsensible stories about heaven and hell. And through the years, I've answered a lot of questions about what is heaven like. And we're going to talk about heaven tonight, today. I'll be talking about it tonight, too, I'm sure. Um, Not the usual things people talk about heaven, though. You know me, I like to dig through things and put up numbers and graphs and pictures and, and stuff. You know, the most common thing most people believe about heaven is that there's a set of pearly gates and St. Peter's there And if everything you did in life, good, equaled just a little tiny bit more than the things you did bad, you'd get into heaven. Doesn't work that way. We need Jesus Christ. Another myth is that heaven is like a big socialist state where everybody goes to heaven, everybody gets the standard issue harp and halo, and we all sit around on pink clouds praising God in a never-ending church service. Then there's the heaven is what I want it to be thought. Um, Norman McLean, you remember the book uh, A River Runs Through It or the movie? Uh, he He wrote, he said, in our family there was no clear line between religion and fly fishing. He goes on to say about his father, who was a Presbyterian minister, he told us about Christ's disciples being fishermen, and we were left to assume, as my brother and I did, 
that all first-class fishermen on the Sea of Galilee were fly fishermen, and that John the favorite was a dry fly fisherman. <laughs> My grandfather would have let me know that in heaven, the best places to fish were for those who followed the Apostle John and were flat, dry fly fishermen. So we have all these concepts out there, and we've all heard weird stories about heaven, right? You know, just things that are just out of left field. We've all wondered what heaven will really be like. And I've asked people, I said, do you know what the Bible says about heaven? And the most common answer I get is not really anything. But that's not true. There's a lot in the Bible about heaven. There's a lot in the Bible about hell. So first, let's contrast those a little bit. In the Old Testament, the two main words that are used for the place of souls of the dead are where they're located. Ha, huh. okay. Those two words were Sheol in Hebrew. Got to do the arm thing, I'm sorry. And something my wife says all the time to me, Oh, Cal. That's the word in Hebrew, really. Sheol means Hades or the world of the dead, including its accessories and inmates, the grave, hell, the pit, or even Abraham's bosom. So a clear separation between one side and the other. The other word has a meaning behind it. It's similar, but it adds a clear indication of punishment. So in the Old Testament, there was a place of the dead, a good side and a bad side. For heaven in the, Old, in the New Testament, the most common word is shamayim, and it has three meanings. The visible heavens, the sky, where the stars are, and the abode of God, the place where God lives. That's pretty amazing. When you think about it, what was the first thing created in the Bible? God created the heavens and the earth. Notice it's plural. Clearly defining, it doesn't mean there's levels of heaven. It clearly understand, or were to clearly understand in that, that it's a region, the sky above us, and then the place where the stars live, and then there's where God lives. In 1 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul writes, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And by the third heaven, he meant the place where God lives. The word most used for heaven in the New Testament is oranos. 
Like the Old Testament word, it can mean the air, the space, or the abode of God. But 286 times in the New Testament, it refers to that place where God and all heavenly creatures reside. Oh, and there's a hell, right? We all know that, the bad place. The New Testament word is Gehenna. It was originally the name for the valley that we call Hinnom today. That valley was just outside of Jerusalem and that's where they dumped their trash, their sewage, and dead animals. And a fire burned night and day out there. A fitting name for the place or state of everlasting punishment, isn't it? Imagine that. And the reality is we wouldn't wish that on anyone. Our worst enemy, we wouldn't want to wish that on them. Try explaining the gospel to your worst enemy. A little difficult at times. So there you got it. And let's go on to what will heaven be like? And today, like I said, there's things we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about the throne. We're going to not, not going to talk about the creatures that circle God. We're not going to talk about um, the martyred saints. We're going to talk about us and what it's going to be for us in heaven a little bit. Consider the most common go-to verse, which is Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but as I get older, that no pain thing strikes really well with me. Um, no mourning or crying. So, will we have physical bodies in heaven? Or are we some spirit dashing around from place to place? Well, as Kelly read this morning in 1 Corinthians, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Hmm. So what will that body be like? Well, first of all, we know it's going to be designed for us by God to exist in heaven. Now, why can't we see heaven? Why can't we see someplace, even with the greatest telescopes, the, the, you know, the ones that sit out in space and take pictures and all that? Is it a dimensional shift that we don't understand? We don't know. We don't know. But our bodies will be designed to fit there. What would the differences be? Well, we have some clues from the Bible. Jesus spoke to his apostles after his resurrection and he said, see my hands and feet that it is I myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. You can contrast this with something Kelly read this morning. 
I tell you this, my brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So you put those two bodies together and what's the difference? Hmm. No blood in heaven. That means when I'm taking my warfarin and every time I cut myself, I almost bleed out because it's, you know, 10 band-aids later, I'm... It's not going to be a problem. In the same chapter, Paul speaks of a spiritual body. And because of that, a lot of people believe that idea that we're going to be flying around in some spirit. But how many of you have a spirit in you today? Anybody? Yeah, we all do. So why don't we have one in heaven? Why would we exclude the body? And so just as today we have a physical body that has a spirit, we're going to have the same spirit in heaven. Just different for our, for, than our earthly body. Philippians uh, 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Now, what does that mean? Hmm. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says we will know and be known. Nothing in the Bible tells us how we'll look. What age we will be. We'll be known. Men will never be asked the, the infamous horrible question. Does this dress make me look fat? In his resurrection, Jesus was recognizable, looked the same, acted the same, and he was recognized by his voice. People say, well, we're all going to be 33 when we get to heaven. <laughs> 33 was a rough time in my life. People say a lot of things, but we have to go to the Bible to see what's there. Will we be hungry? Will we eat with these new and different bodies? Well, Jesus ate after his resurrection and was almost seemingly hungry. In Luke 24, 40, it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you got something to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it before them. Hmm. So if Jesus had the ability to eat, did he do it because he was hungry and just, uh, to, or just to show that he could? We don't know. However, the Bible also mentions this tiny family get-together we're going to have in heaven called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. 
That's for everybody in heaven. We, the church, are the bride of Christ. That's the celebration of the church and Jesus Christ coming together in heaven. Hmm. Bible also mentions lots of food at that banquet. Lots and lots and lots of food. It's very likely we're going to eat. We're going to want to eat. But there's never going to be a dish that we'll take a bite of and say, yuck. What are we going to do in heaven? The misconception is we're going to sit around and just praise God all day. That's not bad. That's not bad. But here on earth in Colossians 3.23 we're told, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Bible says we're going to serve the Lord. That's doing something. We don't know exactly what it is. In heaven, there's a new Jerusalem and the new earth. It's got some descriptions in the Old Testament that speak of the concept. It's found in Isaiah 65, 21. Speaking of us who are in heaven... It says they will build homes and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. And a lot of us are going, darn. But I believe it's more of an existence like Adam and Eve before they sinned. Beautiful garden. Just taking care of stuff around the garden. There's a weed. No, there's no weeds. Those are the devil. And those won't be there. But, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be good for us. Can you imagine if nobody worked today here on earth? What their mental attitude would be? Oh, wait, we see that in a lot of places, don't we? Lots of people not working, but getting paid to sit there and do nothing, and they're not even praising God. I like the idea of building stuff. That's my background. I'm a builder built huge things we'll get to huge things in a minute but heavenly rewards does everybody know there's heavenly rewards for the things that we do on earth Matthew 16 27 for the son of man is going to come in the glory of his father with his angels and then will recompense every man according to his deeds now We are followers of Jesus Christ. Are our bad deeds going to count? No way, Jose. Those are far behind us. 
What about the good stuff? We will be judged. And just so you know, there's 12 words in the New Testament that are translated judge. Did you know that? 12 words. But they don't all mean judge, pound a gavel, boom. A lot of them mean evaluate. People say, well, you can't judge me. Because the Bible says that. But the truth is we can evaluate. And we'd better evaluate leaders in the church. We'd better evaluate Pastor Ian and the work he does. Probably Dottie and the work she does. I'm just joking, Dottie. I wouldn't, wouldn't do that to you. Some are like a, a, a beauty pageant judge. You know, which one is the best? But all those words are translated judge. So we need to be careful how we use that. So being evaluated for the things we've done for Christ with the attitude in which we did them and the credit we took for them, you got to watch that one. God gets all the credit all the time. What are those rewards? Well, some people are going to receive a crown, and those crowns are going to be thrown at the feet of, or at the bottom, uh, the foot of the throne. So that's not it. Are they going to be leaders? Uh, are they going to? Uh, be builders? Are they going to be kind of over in the corner with nobody paying attention to them because maybe they weren't that hot? But remember the, the parable that Jesus spoke about the workers that were hired at the beginning of the day and the end of the day? They all got a reward. I like that one. My grandson would crawl into the kitchen. 18 months old. He'd pull out every pot and pan we had. And he would sit there and bang those things together. I wanted my daughter to go in and get him and pick him up and move him away. I didn't like the noise, but he was happy. He was as happy as he could be. Adults would walk by and man, they'd be thinking about that fantastic dinner. Maybe the talk, the conversations after dinner. At whatever level they were in in that home, everybody was happy. Everybody was feeling, feeling fulfilled. And I think that's the way it's going to be in heaven. Doesn't matter, we're all going to be happy. What will heaven look like? Not like anything we've ever experienced. Heaven is going to be like, whoa, totally different. Now, Revelation 21.1 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth that passed away and the sea was no more. Why a new heaven and a new earth? Because God's got to get rid of this one. Why? Does anybody know who controls the earth right now? Who's in charge? 
1 John 5, 19, for we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. And John 12, 30, 31, now is the judgment of the world and now world now the ruler of this world has been cast out this earth has been the playground the background the 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 hold so to speak of every evil we can imagine we cannot imagine worse evils than have happened on this earth and I think that God will simply make it go away and get rid of all vestiges of evil, all little remnants of evil that are out there. And then we got this new Jerusalem coming down. Revelation 21, 16 the city lies foursquare, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. A stadia equals roughly 1,500 miles. Have we seen a city that big before? That's more than halfway across the United States. The slide... Gives us an idea of how big the city is. That's just the footprint. Next slide says this is how high it would be on our current earth. Can you imagine that? Something that big sticking on the side of the earth, 1,500 miles high. That's a lot of miles. Every low orbit satellite will be knocked out of, smacked, just pushed away. It would change the weather patterns if it was on this earth. And then think about the fact, has everybody got tires on their car? And a tire gets unbalanced and it pop, 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 pop. It flops while you're driving along, so you have to take it in and get, get the, the weights put on it and balance the tires again. Imagine the earth spinning at 1,037 miles per hour having this big thing sitting on it. It would spin out of control. It would tear itself apart. So we've got to have a new one. And I like that. Next view shows, whoa, you know, from a distance. I like it when the astronauts say, uh, what is it, things visible, details visible from space. You can see the Great Wall of China. You can, you can see the pyramids. Imagine what astronauts would see 
if this thing was sitting on the earth and they were going around. A lot of details. So what does this city look like? Bible tells us that it's uh, the walls are like jasper but transparent. And I'll show you a jasper stone here in a few minutes. There's multiples of 12 all over this. We have no information on the inside. Most scholars believe this is where we're going to live. How many rooms? Do they have Wi-Fi? Televisions, king-size beds, no info. Wall around the outside is 200 feet tall, so you can certainly see the New Jerusalem inside. Like I said, many Bible scholars believe that we're all going to live in this place. I personally like being in the country. So I hope in the new earth there's a few country homes out there that we might enjoy, but we don't know. Think about how much space is inside this thing. I sat there with my Excel spreadsheet open and ran so many different numbers. That's just because the way my mind thinks. Its volume is 3.4 billion cubic miles. Think of that. 3.4 billion cubic miles. I brought that out to square feet just because that's what I do. I can't even pronounce the number that showed up. But I did some math. Scientists say, and I always trust the science, um, 108 billion people have ever lived, believers and non-believers. In Mark, it says that there won't be all that many people in heaven. So I figured out everybody gets a modest home. If, if we're all living in there, that would be about 2,000 cubic feet of space. And that would only take up one-fourth of the space that's in this New Jerusalem. And I'm just throwing weird numbers out there. I don't know. But it seems like there would be plenty of room for everyone. So we got bodies, we got jobs, we got eating, uh, we got a place to live. Now, what's it look like? That 12 by 12 thing, uh, or 12 many times in, in Revelation comes up. So the walls, uh, they're uh, 108 feet tall, roughly. 
Because nobody knows for sure how big a cubit is. And if you look on the internet or look it up, they have all different sizes. So I took the middle one. Transparent, looking like the stone called jasper. There are 12 gates made of pearls. Now, we got okay. some pretty big people in here. Be quiet, watch. We got some pretty big people in here. So those gates, I'm thinking, have got to be pretty big. There's three on each side. Twelve. And they're named after the tribes of Israel. Hmm. I'll meet you at the Joseph Gate tomorrow at two o'clock. It has 12 foundations, each named after the 12 apostles. And the foundations are covered with 12 types of stones. And, and I just pulled them up there looking on the internet and got pictures of them covered with those stones. God's going to place them. So I know they're going to be perfectly placed. I don't think they're going to have little cuts in them and grout and all that kind of stuff to try to make them look good. And that's all we know. We don't know anything about the inside except that's where God will be with his glory. And that's heaven 102 when we get to it. You know? And then we have a new earth. Is it round? Is it flat? Is it purple mountains, majesty, amber waves of green? We don't know. We just don't know. Is it beautiful? I'm sure it is. It's big enough to support the new Jerusalem. It's big enough to take care of all the people that will be in heaven. And so the last issue is always this, how do we get there? How do we get there? We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. Do we believe that a man existed that was named Jesus Christ? Mm, yeah, but not quite enough. Do we believe that he was the Son of God, and in fact, God, who came to see us on earth. Yeah. That he was who he said he was, and he did the things that he said he would do. And the most glorious thing I can think of, folks, is that he's coming back for us. He's coming back. And we will see him. In all his glory. Maybe we'll share a broiled fish with him. Don't really know. 